Hi, so as you will uh, be aware, um, we, ever since the George Floyd incident in America um, last week, um, maybe two weeks ago now, depending when we released this, um, I've spent a bit of time listening, talking, having conversations with people from the um, black community, BME, BAME community, um, trying to understand what's going on. And obviously, um, we we have that community. I've been chatting to people from our nation, people internationally, but also we have those people um, in our church, in our family. Um, and Hannah Scollin has been um, vocal. She's been vocal, encouragingly vocal on, uh, on social media and on our YCC page. And so I thought it'd be really good to hear Hannah's voice um, on this. So, Hannah, hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, I'm doing great. Good. Um, yeah, so um, do you want to talk a bit about your, um, about your background? Like, what's your, yeah, what, what, what's your story? What, what's, your, what's your background? You're mixed race. Mm -hmm. um, so do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so I'm half Brazilian. Um, my mum's my Brazilian, my dad's English. Um, but actually, we found out more recently that in our ancestry, because everyone in Brazil is mixed race, like everyone, because we had invaders, and then we had Europeans come in. So like, you don't really know where you fit. You're not just one type of Brazilian. Um, so we actually found out that we, um, that we are descendants of slaves that came from Africa to work at the plantations in Brazil. Um, so that was a big shock that I had to kind of, um, I had to kind of process because I've, I'd always known that I was Brazilian, but I never knew further than that. I never knew what I was, like yeah, where I came was. from. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. So, um, so that was really quite interesting. And it is, it's definitely pushed my like passion towards like Black Lives Matter a lot further than what it was before. Cause I didn't right. really know where I fit before when it came to like Brazilians, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Okay, and you've been part of YCC for how many years now? Seven, seven eight, years. nine, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's been about seven years. Um, and before YCC, I used to live in Bolton, so up north, um, but that was quite a diverse area. So um, I wasn't really used to uh, not having anyone kind of similar to me until mm -hmm. I moved down here. So that was a big change, yeah. Okay, so well then, let's talk about that. What's your experience been? Um, yeah, what's your experience been of um, of racism um, in your through your life? Mm -hmm. um, so when I was in primary school, when I was in reception, uh, I was four years old because I'm an August baby. So uh, yeah, I was quite young, um, and there was this girl that um, came up to me and she she scratched me in the face. Uh, she was also four um, and she like pushed me up against a wall and like scraped like half of my face um, and I didn't really understand where you know where it came from but it turns out it was because I was brown um, and I think in that moment that was the first experience that I had of racism but I didn't realize how deep it was until obviously I got older and understood why she kind of did it um, but it did like make me really realize that actually racism is taught. It's not something that you're born with because there is no chance that a four year old would 
like discriminate against someone for no apparent reason. Um, and then we found out later on that it was something to do with her brothers. Her brother said something about um, about me. They picked me up from picked her up from school and saw me, and said said something about it. Um, and I think she was quite embarrassed to be my friend. And that is where it kind of all came from from that perspective. Um, and then so as as it went on, like through primary school, it wasn't that bad. Um, other than that incident, because, you know, there were other mixed race people in my class. Um, and in up north, there are so many mixed race people, like from every type of background. So I didn't really feel like I was out of place. Um, more than half of my class were mixed race. So I was really quite comfortable with the friends that I had. And I had no really like bad experiences. Um, and then we moved to Yeovil. And that was a really, really big difference. Um, because being from a class where more than half of my class were mixed race to a class where I was the only one in my class or basically the only one in my year, there were three of us um, in year seven that were like mixed race or like people of colour. So um, that was really a big change. Um, and people would even, they'd be like passively racist. So they wouldn't obviously, wouldn't be intentional, but they'd say stuff like, where are you from? Like, how come you're brown, but you like have a normal accent um, and things like that, which kind of, it was a, quite rude in the way that they would like portray that. And obviously they were intrigued to know, but it was just the way that they said it. So that was kind of in year seven when I first moved. And then um, a couple of years went by and I got, um, I got into a friendship group with uh, some nasty people and I thought that they were my friends and I thought that everything they said like they said was a joke so um they would say stuff like like they would call me the n-word and they'd be like oi and then they'd call it and they would like get me to come over to them um and they'd kind of like demand me to do things um and then you know one time got really bad like um one of my friends uh was like oh you know go back to cotton picking and that was really kind of significant because i I'd, I'd never really associated myself with african-american background i'd always thought well i'm brazilian so i can't like people can't be racist to me because i'm not like the same as an african-american but um i did realize that it wasn't the ethnicity it was purely my skin color um and it didn't matter like where i was from if i was darker than them it meant that I was on the same level as slaves, which I, I thought was really quite disrespectful. And after that, I'd never really recovered from that. And I did have quite a bit of an identity crisis during that time. So I was like, um, I was like straightening my hair, like basically every day because I didn't think that curly hair was nice. I didn't think people liked it. And I'd always get compliments when I straightened my hair. So I was like, oh, well, people prefer it that way. Um, and I started, stop, like I stopped going into the sun. I stopped um, trying to tan because in the summer I get darker and in the winter I get lighter, just like any other person does. But people don't understand that that happens to me as well. They think, oh, I'm brown, so I'm just brown. Um, so I would stop going into the sun and I'd start wearing like, white makeup to make me look lighter so there were certain things that triggered other things that now I realized like that I did that I didn't even think were that important I thought well if they don't like me for the color of my skin then if I make myself whiter they'll like me more 
but actually I ended up getting more criticism because they were like, why are you trying to be white? Like who, who are you walking into school thinking that you're white now? So there was kind of no winning either way. Um, so that was probably the worst thing that um, I experienced at secondary. Yeah. yeah. And what about, um, what about in church? Cause I've, you talked about school and whatever, but you've been around YTC for seven years. You've been in the youth and so how's that been? Well, um, at first it was good. I think people were kind of, they kind of liked the fact they had like a different friend. Um, people would flex me a lot and they'd be like, Oh, like, look at my friend. Like she's like mixed. And you know, at first it was, it was great. And then, um, I started getting comments like when I'd be kind of really like charismatic and really like enthusiastic about random things and I would dance and I would just like be quite hyper at like youth group. I had a few comments saying like, stop trying to be black or like, just stop trying to be someone that you're not um and things like that which i didn't think were a big deal because i was like no these people love me they're from the church like, they love me they, they want to be they want to be around me but stop trying to be black was the main thing that i would hear constantly whenever i was um trying to be myself so i felt like after that i couldn't really dance i couldn't really be loud i couldn't really do the things that i that are part of my personality because people thought that i was trying to be black um, and then I had this one, this one friend who was part of the youth group, um, who was black and me and her like got really quite close. Um, and people had a lot to say about that. They were saying, you know, like, why are you trying to, why are you trying to join into her culture? She's a black one. You're not, um, like, why are you trying to dance with her? Why are you trying to be like her? Um, it's not your culture. It's not your place. So things things like that that I didn't expect to get from the church I did get from the church and I do have a couple friends who did go to my school as well as the church and they'd hear stories from school and then they'd laugh about it and they'd bring those stories from school to youth group um which I didn't really expect would happen either so just things like that which I didn't yeah, yeah. so then yeah thanks for sharing and just yeah just sorry that that's um, been part of your experience here um so talk a little bit how this last week 10 days has felt for you watching what's going on in america um how's that felt for you as a person of mixed race as a part of that community um, at first I didn't really know where I fit because obviously I'm Brazilian, but I'm kind of half. So like, even though my skin was darker, I felt like I didn't really have as much of a voice as people who were black or are black. Um, so at first I really struggled with how I fit in. And then I realized actually I am like a victim of racism. So I shouldn't keep myself quiet because this applies to me too. So I started, you know, raising my voice a bit. And then when I found out about my heritage and ancestry and things, it kind of um, unfolded a bit more. But like, in terms of how I felt, like I was like properly heartbroken. Like I saw the video um, mm. of, you know, when George died and that really, I've, I've honestly never seen something so brutal. Um, and after that, I. I posted something on my um, 
on my Instagram and on my Snapchat about like how horrendous it was. And I was crying on the video and um, someone actually messaged me saying, asking me to take it down because they felt uncomfortable with me crying. And I was just like, like, are you serious? <laughs> like, if you don't want to see it, then remove yourself like from my social media. But yeah, exactly. I was, I was actually really quite angry about that because I was like, you know, you can't tell me that I can't be emotional about this because you feel uncomfortable when you were the oppressors. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that was really quite hard to deal with that. Um, I'm actually really quite happy about the, the movement itself and how many people have changed and how many people are actually caring about it. I am really happy about that. And there have been so many people that have um, changed their hearts, which is amazing. Um, but at the same time, there's always a difference between whether they're doing it because it's a trend or whether they're doing it because they actually believe it. So having that, um, being able to distinguish whether it's the trend or whether it's because they actually believe in the movement um, has been really quite hard. Cause obviously I'm not one to judge. I can't be like, oh, they're posting all this stuff, but like, you know, they're just doing it for the trend. But to me, certain aspects of it where the people who were racist to me earlier like in my school life and then posting all this black lives matter like we really care about black people i've always been anti-racist and i'm like well you haven't because where were you when i was in those situations of oppression like where were you in that were you defending me like were you the one that was stopping people from doing that so it was it's things like that which i get frustrated about but yeah. i'm trying to have a bigger perspective on it like at least they've changed at least they are trying to accept the fact that it is definitely an issue. Yeah. I think that's why conversations like this are, are important because who's not, who's not going to be impacted by watching the video of George Floyd life seep out of him with his police officer's knee on his neck. And I mean, it's just, it's horrific and traumatic and, it, I mean, it does something to your soul, right? Like who, and who isn't going to kind of go, you know what? Yeah, that Black Lives Matter and I'm offended by that. And that's, but I think it's really important that we hear how, um, I think it's really important how we hear how we're part of that same system. We might not be the police officer who holds his knee on the neck for nine minutes, but there are gradations to the system and we're and we're and there's this system isn't just this one incident this that one incident is a consequence of the system and that system is something that isn't just american it's british and you've talked about um it's yodel it's ycc it's like we're we we do not get to deny this mm -hmm. we don't get to um so i think it's really important that we hear how you know Obviously, we none of us would we would like to think would be the person who put their knee on the neck of a black man until he died. But um, but we might make these comments. We might perpetuate this story. We might um, hold these attitudes which create the context where that sort of thing is the end yeah. result. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's really brave of you to talk about um this and your experiences and thank you for having the courage to do that and i know 
um, even when I pushed you on, okay, well, tell us about YCC, you know, like we have to, um, we have to hear that. Like we have to, we have to hear that. And then we have to think about what we, what changes as a consequence of that. Um, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit, you know, it's great to hear your voice. Um, it's really great to hear your voice. I know we're used to hearing your beautiful voice leading us in worship and, um, and we love that, but it's important to hear your voice in this context as well. I'm interested in your, where's your faith in this? Where's, where's your theology in this? Mm -hmm. um, what, what does, how does your faith inform you in this mm -hmm. um, situation, in this, in this issue? Mm -hmm. Well, um, like I said on the Facebook post, like in, in Genesis, when, you know, God said that it's not good for man to be alone, um, that was most of the time, you know, I watch quite a few pre preachers and most of the time it's about relationship and it's about marriage. And it's about, you know, how like it's not good to be alone and all that type of thing. But actually I thought in a wider with a wider perspective, it's not good for people to be alone. It's not good for people to be um, going through certain things by themselves. So that was kind of like my foundation of actually God really cares about relationships and he really cares about how we associate with each other. Um, and the fact that it's, that was in the first book of the Bible in one of the first verses. And that was the only thing that he said was not good. Um, he said everything was good. He said the world was good. He said the sky was good. He said, you know, the sea and, you know, the animals, everything was good. And that was the first time he said that it wasn't good. Even and that cats. was a Even yeah. cats. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Even cows. Um, yeah. Um, it was like, um, that was kind of the first time that he said it was not good. And I think that's a really significant part of the Bible. And I think people kind of, they kind of oversee that because they're like, oh, it's the beginning. We don't. We, we can't really learn from much of that that's the creation of the world we can't really learn but actually god's foundation was relationships and then that's further seen when jesus dies on the cross because that's a relationship between us and god um another thing that i found was you know god made us in his image he didn't make us thinking you know what i'm going to make those people black so that the white people can oppress them and i'm going to make those people white so that they can be the oppressors like he didn't think that way and he's not on a human level so like bringing God down to a human level of, well, if God didn't want racism, then why did he create black people? And it's like things like that, that it's like, what type of argument is that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's when it's situations like that, where God purposefully created man in his image, it, it shows that black people were meant to be here. They were meant to be on this earth. They were meant to bring diversity and diversity is important. And another thing that I found, you know, during, during um this time of you know the movement is that i've had a few friends message me saying you know just so you know like i don't see color like i see you know i see people and i see people for who they are and i don't see color and i was like that's exactly the problem like you don't see color the point of diversity is so that you see color the point of this movement is so that you see that there are indifferences between color you know there's white supremacy there's white privilege and people don't see color so they don't end up seeing the bigger picture and um that has really been something that's yeah. been that i've been challenged by that like how am i supposed to communicate with people being someone of christ but also being someone who's really personally 
um, you know, passionate about this topic. Like, how mm. am I able to communicate with people in a way that shows, still shows that Jesus is in me, but doesn't get so frustrated that I push people away and I change their opinion? Yeah. And I think that diversity thing, Hannah, is so important because I know what people are trying to get at when they say, I don't feel, I don't see color. And I know, I know people, I know, I know what we're trying to get at when we say that sort of thing. But um, the point that you make about, you know, God created everybody is, is beautiful because it also means that therefore God is expressed through everybody. And, and the thing that I think maybe we miss sometimes on this is God is expressed differently through everybody. If, if we're all the same, we diminish God because God is only diminished one, is, is only expressed one way. Actually, and I think this is, again, something for us to think about as a church, but um, how God is expressed through you and your ethnicity and your culture and your creativity and your passion is that we... Um, we shouldn't expect that God is expressed the same through everybody. We need to allow God to be expressed uniquely through everybody and celebrate that diversity and celebrate that diversity of culture and diversity of expression and diversity of creativity. Um, and I think that's some of what you're getting at. Um, yeah. I think that's some of the point you're getting at. Like, let me, let me express God the way God is expressed through me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've definitely found, you know, actually reading the Bible through this and actually finding God's opinion in scripture has been my foundation of where most of what I post comes from, because I need to make sure that what I'm posting isn't, um, isn't so opinionated that it's, it's flawed in a way that actually this is God's opinion. This is, this isn't my opinion. This is God's opinion on the world. Um, and I was saying this to my friends a couple of my friends earlier that actually you know if it wasn't for lockdown and if it wasn't for everyone being you know at home um on their phones constantly would this movement have even happened you know everyone was at home so everyone was able to see the news everyone was able to see on social media about george floyd and considering previously this year we've had breonna taylor and Ahmed Arbery, and only now have we had a movement, and that's only because we have been in such an enclosed space, right. an enclosed area, that we've only been able to notice. And I find it quite sad that we had to physically be removed from society in order to notice the injustices of our world. No one did anything when it came to Ahmed Arbery. There were a couple of posts, and then that was it. Same with Breonna Taylor, no one did anything. You know, there were signing petitions, there was donating, but after a week or so, the trend, you know, was over and it wasn't it wasn't that much of a big deal anymore. But then when George Floyd happened, because everyone was there, everyone witnessed it, there was a video, that's when everyone started to rise up. I think it's an amazing, you know, time. I think honestly, like God had planned all of this out, and even though it's an awful situation. I think God, this was the only way God was going to get through to us in terms of injustice. And if we were living normal day life, would we have even noticed? And that's what I keep trying to ask myself. And that's what I keep challenging my friends. Like, would you have even noticed that this is such a problem if it hadn't been for lockdown and if you hadn't been on your phone the whole time? Um, so that's been it's a really, really, it's a really interesting question. Alan. It's really good. It's a really good challenge. And it's interesting because 
you know, it's not, I, I mean, I have thought a little bit about, so why, why is this captured? Um, the imagination and the attention um, of the world in a way that um, exactly previous stories haven't. Um, and it's because we're, you know, we start a new series on Sunday called Standing in the Rubble and it's, it's all about, so what, what's going on and what the world's shifting and the world's changing and what's God doing in that and how's God calling us to emerge from that. And, um, and yeah, I guess from what you're saying, like this is a linked conversation. This is part of what God's doing. This is part of how God's getting our attention. This is part of how God's going. I hear the cry of my people. I hear the cry of George Floyd with the knee on his neck and I will not be silent. I will not, stand back anymore and it does feel like god is god is responding and and urging and prompting and inspiring and pressing us to respond to um mm-hmm. so yeah no i really like that um yeah i really like that perspective that you've brought um and in terms of scripture um there was i was I was kind of um, meditating on it because I was trying to get myself in the right place before I was able to share with other people. Uh, I didn't want to lead people into a wrong, into the wrong direction, into a wrong perspective of this. Um, Especially since, you know, I am a person of influence and people do listen to me, but considering I've got that personal connection as well, like it's even more of a perspective for people. Um, So I was reading Proverbs 31, eight to nine, Um, And it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Um, And that has really been, you know, everyone talks about Isaiah 117. Everyone talks about that one, but no one talks about Proverbs 31. And I think, you know, it's, it's important that we actually, you know, take that time out, that we take that time off social media because, considering how much has been like people have been posting some people aren't able to deal with the amount of information that is given some people need time out and i i really want to encourage people that during that time out if you're turning your phone off and you don't want to see any more black lives matter posts or you just it's just too much um for you which i have done you know over the past couple of days i haven't really been on social media because it's been really hard for me to to see every it's a constant trend you know everyone is posting about it so it's a lot of information to take in um in my you know my quiet times i've really been trying to like engage with god and really been trying to say like god like you know in the song like break my heart for what breaks yours like that is exactly how god feels in this situation and this is you know this feeling of heartbreak it's it's shown in our lives because this is how this is how God feels and we are people of God. So we should be showing that heartbreak to other people and being able to show that actually this is completely wrong. Um, I do think that every, well, the Southwest especially has like quite a big racial problem, not necessarily in the aspect of brutality because the U S have really, really, you know, brutal situations. But I think people think that racism here is different to racism in the U S Um, and the racism that underpins that brutality is different to the racism here when actually it's the exact same it's just the way that we are um, the way that people are being racist is by being passive and by not speaking up and it's by being passive and you know 
saying a joke, which doesn't mean that much, but actually it does, you know, words are really important. Um, and, you know, God said about how we need to watch what we speak, you know, watch what we say from our tongue. Um, and that is really, that has been really significant for me as well. Being that person of influence, being that person that people are going to listen to, I've had to be really careful with how I communicate, how I feel during this time, because there is a lot of frustration and I don't want to come across as aggressive. I don't want to come across like, you know what, like I'm BAME, like you've got to listen to me because it's my you know, personal experience um, because it isn't all about me. But having that balance of, you know, bringing God into what I have to say for other people and yeah. trying to help people realize that racism is on an international level it's not a national thing just for the us it is an international level and there have been so many cases where people have actually been killed by our police um and there haven't been any like posts or there haven't been any you know outrages because everyone in the uk is passive so you know there was this what i was watching um george the poet he had an interview with um bbc news and he was saying about how his friend you know um was at a pub and he got arrested and they snapped his neck while they were arresting him um and he was limp when he was when he was being carried to the police van um and he actually died because they didn't take him to the hospital straight away they kept him in the police van for 45 minutes 30 45 minutes and if they had taken him straight to the hospital he would have survived um and it's stories like that that you don't think you know are within the uk you don't think that that will ever happen but it does and even if it was an accident you know the police still had that authority to take that man to the hospital and they chose not to. So even in that act, if it wasn't on purpose, the passivity of that racism, you know, when he was in that van, he, he could have survived and the police chose not to save him. So it does just show that actually passive racism does still kill. Um, and we need to really change our perspectives of racism being a separate thing in America than it is to here. It's the same. It's the exact same. Hannah, thank you so much for, um, yeah, bringing you to this conversation and your, your passion and your heart and your desire to be authentic and your desire to be a voice that leads and inspires people well, rather than just riles up anger. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been beautiful. Um, and challenging listening to you um, yeah sorry again for um, all the places we've been part of that um, problem at YCC part of that system um, but thank you for um, being part of us and bringing what you bring and um, your gifting and your culture and your your ethnicity your heritage um, and your story um, yeah, thank you so much.